All right. Well, today we've got a, an old friend that uh, we met within the uh, used machinery industry. Um, John Stencil. Is it the fourth? Is that correct? It's the fourth. It's yeah, the fourth. That's correct. And uh, yeah. uh, we're going to talk about this interesting industry that I was chatting with him a little bit before this here, before we got started, um, that I don't know exactly what a, uh, is it pronouncing it right, Tencel tester? Yeah, so that's one of our biggest product lines, but pretty much all mechanical testing equipment is what we deal in. Nice. And so we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about how you, obviously, being a family business since 1953, it says, but uh, how you got in, a little bit of background about yourself, um, and uh, maybe some side hustles, but won't be... Uh, won't be too long, but uh, we'd love to hear you know about yourself, your journey on uh, on uh, on kind of where you're at and where you were and where you're going. Um, so I guess yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you you used to play baseball, right? Yeah, so uh, you know, baseball player my whole life, well, soccer and skiing. Uh, went to engineering school and played baseball up at a, a D two school up in a mid. Michigan, so called Saginaw Valley State University. So, kind of always knew I wanted to be in the manufacturing, you know, engineering world, coming from a family business. So, I thought it was a great chance to, you know, get an engineering degree and play the sport I love. So, uh, it was a great time. Um, was up there five years, pretty much graduated with my engineering degree on a Friday and started full time that next Monday. So, there was, you know, no break right into the family business and, and right to work. Now so that's kind of my education background. If I forget, if 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 memory serves, you were because I forgot to mention that you know Frank Bankston started in Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are in the suburbs, right? But you you were gonna go to Michigan, right, or something like that, or you, yeah, you, yeah, right. Yeah, but, so I mean, pretty much Michigan was the only school I applied to, the only school I wanted to go to. Um, so got right into Michigan engineering program. And about two weeks before school started, you know, I had my dorm and my roommate and everything. Uh, the Saginaw Valley baseball coach gave me a call and said, hey, you know, I know this is kind of late, but why don't you come out and check us out and see if it's something you might be interested in? So I'm like, why not? So I didn't think there was going to be any chance I would change because Michigan, I was kind of all go blue from the time I was born with all my family coming and going to Michigan. And then... Uh, Went up to Saginaw Valley, got a tour of the school, was really impressed, talked to the coach and said, you know what, I can always go back to University of Michigan, why not uh, give baseball a chance? So uh, kind of did that, changed right at the last second and never turned back, so kind of wild. Do you take any uh, anything from like being an athlete, you know, to business? I mean... Oh, absolutely. Um I mean, the biggest thing is just work ethic, you know, when mm-hmm. you're an athlete, you know, there's no time off, you're, you're working out, you're practicing and you're giving a full workload. So, you know, time management, work ethic, a dedication, you know, you don't find too many college athletes that are necessarily lazy, you know, mm-hmm. they all know what it takes to win or to be good at whatever sport they're at. So, right. yeah, no. Sure. So... You graduate Friday, basically start work on Saturday, but obviously you had been kind of in and out of the shop growing up, right? Or, or what? Yeah. Oh yeah. So always, you know, grew up 
you know, sitting, I mean, I have pictures in my office sitting on my grandfather's lap, you know, back in the day of Frank Bacon. And then, um, would go in the summers, I'd work, I'd sweep the shop, you know, help tinker on machines, you know, check out the forklifts, drives the forklifts. Um, did some other internships. So I worked at TACOM, which is the tank and armaments command center where they pretty much engineer and design tanks for the U.S. Army. Where's that at? Yeah, I did. That's in Warren, Michigan. Oh, yeah. Same as where Frank Bacon is. Okay. So I did that for two summers, my senior year of uh, high school, and then my freshman year of college. I was there two, two summers and doing um, vibration testing on Humvees that were going in huh. Iraq at the time and make, seeing how the weight of the armor plating, there's a lot of IUDs and explosives that were taking out the Humvees, so they're adding... Uh, more weight to these vehicles than were intended to, you know, the design for. And we were vibration testing them to see you know, how they'd stand up. So that was a really cool, really cool internship. And which ended up being perfect because you know, being in the test industry, I got to see exactly what, you know, my future field would kind of be and look like. Right. Okay. And then, uh, wait, so how did, if it, your grandfather... St like, how do you get into the business, though? Like, so, <laughs> there's no real way, you know, it's, it's crazy. There's no school for, you know, being a machinery dealer. Um, it's either, you know, from someone you know, or in his case, you know, this is, what, eight years after World War II, you know, 53. Mm. He, you know, he was out of, he was a Marine, and new self-taught you know didn't had a high school education you know never went to college uh just read a ton of books i mean there was just books he read about you know all the great leaders you just books and books and books you know self-taught straight out of the library and uh saw there was a need you know the the booming kind of industrial um might that america was at the time and that there was a need for equipment you know there, there wasn't enough equipment out there uh, for the need for the manufacturing need to meet demand. So he saw that, I don't know how, but you know, he just from experience and, you know, talking to shop owners in the Detroit area mm -hmm. decided to um, start buying and selling you know, machinery at the time. So he was literally completely self stop, uh, started and was one of the you know early founders, you know, early members of the you know, machinery dealers national association back in the heyday. Right. And for those who've, uh, anyone uh, listen here, what that is, um, right. That it's, it's a U.S. organization of machinery dealers from what I understand mainly, cause we, we, you know, our, our company belongs to is machine tool dealers, um, processing and packaging, um, obviously testing equipment, um, but it, nobody in construction or agriculture or trucks um, are, are in this organization. Um, yeah, mainly mainly fabricating equipment or chip making equipment. Mm -hmm. But there are other you know specialty uh, dealers such as like you said packaging and you know we're the, really the only big ones in testing. But fabrication, manufacturing equipment, um, there's auctioneers, appraisals. So it's pretty much MDNA encompasses you know ninety five percent of the, the used equipment being sold in the in the United States, and there's also European members as well. So it right. really is a worldwide organization. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We uh, 
the EAMTM is the the arm for and even <laughs> even even some um few from India uh yeah trying to think of any other might be someone from Russia too that part of the organization but yeah worldwide and um yeah it's a, I mean it's a business or relationship so obviously a way to um you know have an organization or fraternity for for those who, who uh want to trade so um yeah moving on so essentially he starts he's flipping stuff makes a business out of it and yeah, I mean, your dad, what, what's the next chapter? Does the business change at all during, you know, your grandfather's tenure to your dad or, I mean. Yeah, so he's, you know, the business is growing. He's obviously, you know, fairly successful at what he does. And it starts growing, you know, he gets an employee here, gets an employee there. And then, uh, you know, at the time, my, my, my mom's brother get into the business and, um, and the business is doing great. And then my dad and mom start meeting. And my dad's, you know, straight from Xerox sales school. You know, at the time, Xerox was like the ultimate yeah. sales the beast. machine. Yeah. So uh, he was from, he went to University of Michigan, uh, business out of the, the business school there, Ross. I don't know if it was Ross at the time, but you know, Ross nowadays. Right. And uh, he gets into the business and just starts, you know, bringing Xerox, you know, corporate sales training to a small business and you know kind of blows it up it becomes really successful number one salesman at frank bacon at the time which was probably only three salesmen at the time mm. but uh you know took that that corporate sales training and really brought it into a small business when you mean corporate sales training it's just a very specific process to sales i mean because wasn't Xerox like a door-to-door I don't know if they had like inside sales and outside sales. I don't, I, I, you know, I only hear the stories of like, there are some, I mean, I mean, honestly, I don't know, women and men, but making a killing there. But they were, I thought they were doing, you know, they would sell to even enterprise. It would be like, yo, how many, how many printers do you want? Boom. Okay. We'll order a thousand or whatever. But it was like, wasn't it, it yeah. was a relationship basis too back then, right? Yeah. So it was all, it was all business to business mostly. Mm. And, you know, they had territories, but I mean, you'd, there'd be huge discrepancies between good and bad salesmen. Mm -hmm. And they put everybody, you know, they pretty much recruited out of colleges, you know, out of business schools and trained these kids how to, how to sell, to really, you know, create relationships, how to sell, how to follow up, how to talk on the phone, how to book meetings, you know, kind of the, one of the first companies to really make that process big. Yeah. Um, and so he, he came from, he came from that school and uh and transferred that to a to a small business which was really informal. Mm. So and that led to great success because he's like, geez, and it's hard selling printers. Right. Uh, everybody everybody has a printer, it's an easy competition, you know. Man, I can I can sell used equipment, I can sell and save a company, you know, half off and give them give them the machine tomorrow. I mean that's it's mm -hmm. an easy sales proposition. You know, I can save you save you a ton of money and time with this used piece of equipment that works just as good as new. Now, this is the easiest sell I've ever had. So he was Well, everyone in the business that you know that from the the I would say most common um problem in the business is always getting the equipment, finding the deal, right? Yes. Um do you guys I mean, is that a similar problem? And if so, like 
where 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 were you guys sourcing you know back then and is it changed now like was it around Detroit well, well where were you guys getting I mean there wasn't an internet back yeah then, so, so I mean yeah getting you're you're absolutely right I mean getting the inventory is key without inventory you don't have anything to sell and then you know buy low sell high I mean it's all about the buy um, how you get equipment it's changed a lot you know back in the day and there was always there's auctioneers right and you get sent a pamphlet in the mail. And then you'd literally have to either drive or fly hmm. to see this equipment or have a chance to bid on it. It was all on-site, live, real-time bidding. All right. Yeah, you got to send someone if you can't. Yeah. yeah so you got to be there, right? Back in the day, my dad was literally on the road constantly, flying to, from sale to sale to sale, buying equipment. Or there's just private private deals, which is still very prevalent now, is a customer calls you and says, hey, I got this old, you know, in our case, tensile tester or test machine. We don't need it anymore. Do you want it? Then you, you make a deal and buy it, and then send a truck there to pick it up. But uh, now with you know online auctions and online bidding, we're buying pretty much everything sight unseen hmm. uh, for the most part. So we don't we don't even see if it runs. We don't know if it runs. And we're a manufacturer, a remanufacturer, so right. that's a little different from most dealers because we don't care. We know how to make it work. We we rebuild it from the ground up. So okay, we're so, buying it for the carcass. And and again, for for people who don't know, because there is a difference in reconditioning, refitting, refurbishing, rebuilding. Right? I mean, there's. I mean, some words are probably crossover, but like mm-hmm. a rebuild is stripping everything down. It might need a new engine so to speak i i I mean i'm sure there's not an engine on this but might have to replace all the electrical because what 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 does the most let's say and again i know you guys sell more than just the tensile tester but what is the most common use case for what a tensile tester is like what what are you testing what what is the majority of the things that the products that you guys sell what are you testing for so tensile, or they're also called universal testing machines because they can test in both tension and compression. Mm. So they're mostly used to test uh, material properties of any material, whether that be, you know, steel. Doesn't have to be metal. Carbon fiber. Doesn't have to be metal. Carbon fiber, plastics, rubbers, any, uh, you know, elastomers, any type of material. It's used to test both the, you know, its tensile properties, the yield, tensile, elongation of that material you know how much force does it take to pull right. it apart how much does it stretch when it reaches its max load huh. stuff all, all that's used for you know developing products based on the material properties of the material that engineer chooses so same with compression you know how much force does it take to you know compress a material a given type of material um you know how much does it displace before it cracks um there's also flexural properties. Imagine like a, a, a bridge and you're putting a, a center point mm-hmm. on the bridge. You know, how much does that bridge force does it take to break? To and break how it. much does that bridge deflect before it breaks? So now uh, is there a cause that makes sense. But are you testing products? So if someone wants to make something and it's not been too commercial yet. Let's take a bridge, for example, because there's a lot of different conditions, where it is, what it is, what material. Uh, are you testing it prior to it being built, like the parts that need to be put in place for the bridge in this scenario? 
or is it more of an after? Is it, like, these 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 aren't the same machines? Like, does that question make sense? So, is there like yeah. a pre a pre test and a post test? I guess it's maybe the easiest way to say. So both, but a tensile tester will be mainly used for the actual material. So, for a brief okay. example, uh, we're testing the actual rebar before ah. it gets put into the bread, or we're testing the actual concrete mixture you know, in compression prior to building the bridge. But then we also have, you know, structural actuators and, and full-scale test systems that we can build to actual test, you know, either full-size product or even scaled product. Okay. Is it, there, it's full build. And there, is there a particular industry that you guys are, are focusing on? Anything and everything. So the kind of cool thing about our industry being, you know, we're like the landscaping of the of okay. the manufacturing world. Everybody you know, they build they they focus in manufacturing and you know CNC mm -hmm. machines and presses and that after that they make their product, but now they gotta do the quality control right back end of the process. Right. So we, we deal with anybody and then everybody that makes something, whether it's the food industry, uh, the construction industry, aerospace, automotive. I mean, you name it. If they build it, there's some type of material that is being used. Right. But whether it's tape, we got we have machines that test the strength of the tape or the adhesive. Right. Or the the pa uh, package testing industry. You know, uh, road simulation is how's your parts making it across the road when they're in a truck, or you know how much force does it take to compress the cardboard box until it breaks. Mm -hmm. so literally anything and everything. Um, there's special test equipment and special standards that the equipment has to you know kind of meet. All right, so then let's shift to has, um, you know, back in 2008, nine, and since COVID, has that shifted any of the of the business in terms of products you're selling or geog and or geography? Well, we've definitely, since the internet sprung, I mean, we've been 95% of our business out of the state or out of the country. So with the internet, we kind of grew outwards of the Detroit area. Mm -hmm. um, since COVID, I mean, industries are up and down. Um, oil and gas, for example, is down right now. We're not selling a lot to oil and gas industry, you know, pipeline stuff. But in the reverse, aerospace is really hot right now. And mm -hmm. packaging, because more and more items are being shipped, you know, the Amazons of the world, and the, you know, Walmarts, so everything's internationally shipped or domestically shipped. So, you know, the packaging industry is hot. So we're selling a lot of vibration, package vibration test systems. Mm. So uh, medicals, obviously hot, you know, testing the strength of um, masks. You know, we sold machines to test how, how much tensile strength it takes to pull the strap off a mask or the, the fabric of a mask or um, how much the spinal implants or knee and hip fatigue test machines for the biomedical industry. So oh, that, which is that, definitely, all that stuff. yeah. And so, like I said, we are literally across all all types of sciences. So, so what I mean, obviously, you know, just to take one step back, you know, your your, your dad brings in the sales um, that grows the business, the process, um, and then what what would you say like you coming in as honestly, uh, I think we're roughly the same age. Um, mm -hmm. There's not many of us in in the industry now. You guys, you guys are doing obviously a very very specific niche business, but still even more so. There's just not a lot of people with the amount of knowledge that you really need, like for, specifically for you guys too. Um, mm -hmm. But 
it's not like every day, hey, uh, even as an engineer, it's not super sexy, right? Let's go, let's go into the used asset business, even though you guys are rebuilding, but like you don't just wake up and be like, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. It's super lucrative and sexy. So I'm going to do it. So like, obviously you were lucky because your family was in the business. So naturally it was a, but like, so how do you attract young talent and what, like, what are you doing the business now for it to grow? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's an old, you know, Machinery dealers, is, that's a, it's an old business, old business model. You know, it hasn't been really changed a lot, per se, in the last, you know, 40, 50 years. The biggest change was the, was the internet, right? So that we can start buying auctions remotely, and buying equipment remotely, and doing remote inspections. You know, especially in the COVID world, we've been doing a lot more remote inspections. What, FaceTime? Trainings on our, what was that? Like FaceTime? Yep, FaceTime or hmm. Microsoft Teams or Zoom. Right. We can actually train our clients on the equipment remotely without having to travel all over. Oh, that's, so that's nice. Been that a cuts cost. Thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But what we did, I mean, what I did when I came into the business is take kind of the, the new school approach to an old business. Like, hey, let's do more marketing. You can go check out Frank Bacon Machinery on YouTube. I mean, we have a ton of YouTube videos out there. You know, we have you know, Facebook, Instagram. We kind of were the, one of the first people in the industry to start using social media to get up, to get the word out there. How are you guys doing that? I'm curious. Like, um, how are, are you? Are you targeting people? Are you? I mean, are you running ad campaigns? Like, what are you? So yeah, yeah. So we're, we're doing obviously Google ads, and we do a little bit of Instagram ads here and there, but mostly organic. Over time, we're so niche that people mm-hmm. kind of find us through our website, and then they'll see at the bottom of our website videos, and they'll click. Right. And um, YouTube's been great. That's probably the, one of the best ones. Really? You know, being a Google company, and then you search, t- go type in used tensile testers, you're going to see you know, Frank Bacon Machinery's going to pop right at the top there, and you're going to see all of our videos. So it automatically adds credibility, and they'll get to see our products, see what mm-hmm. we do, actually see me talking or other salesmen, Jeff or Chuck. So that's been a, a huge help in growing the brand. Um, we just moved into a new facility. Yeah, so I saw that. 30,000 square foot rebuild facility, um, which has really helped, you know, attract new talent and having nice facilities, nice offices, mm-hmm. you know, nice place for everybody to work. Um, and we, yeah, we get the, not everybody wants to be in a cubicle, so... Um, we're kind of looking for the engineers that like to be hands-on, like to solve problems, don't want to just sit on their computer and design parts. They actually want to, you know, see the machine from start to finish and, and interact with the customers as well. So it's a much more involved process. Mm-hmm. And I guess lastly about, you know, what what's like the next step, you know, for you personally in the business? What's going to make you feel... Uh, I don't know if it feel more successful on like, okay, we're, 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 we've get, we've gotten to another level. Cause it, I didn't even ask who's, who's the biggest competition, whether it's the U S but or not like in the industry. In yeah. Industry. Um, like, I don't geez. even know. I don't even, I mean, there has to be, but I don't know who they are, but. Yeah. I mean, some of the things we're doing, I mean, we just became ISO 17025 accredited for, uh, calibrations and testing so now we can 
certify and calibrate our equipment to meet, you know, international standards. Gotcha. Um, so that's right up there with the, the new OEM. So we're, you know, not only are we, we're used equipment, but we're also launching a new line, hmm. you know, a new Frank Bacon line as, and can certify and standardize equipment with the, the biggest and the best out there. So, um, that's cool. we're really technically sound as a company. And then we're also not only for calibrations, but also for testing. So say a customer calls in and says, you know, Hey, I need to, I need to run this vibration test and, uh, you know, how much is the machine? So we quote on the machine. Oh, you know what? That's just out of my price range. You know, I don't have the people, uh, technical people in my company to be able to run the machine in house. Can you help me? So that's what we launched the testing business. So we can be pretty much a full stop shop. They can either buy the machine from us or they can just outsource the testing to us direct. Oh, and wow. We'll do the testing for them in house. And that's why you, you guys got the larger space. So, yep. So we got the, gotcha. the larger space and we still have the old building, which will actually be the test facility. Ah. So, so that's kind of, that was kind of the game plan going forward. And, huh. um, and then, you know, if maybe we do a few tests for them here and there, and then after a year, their, their volumes go up enough where it makes where sense. Can, yeah. To it's almost like so, a, a rent to buy model. Exactly. Yeah. So, and we also do some rentals too. So, you know, being a small company, we can be really flexible and really, um, work with the customer's exact pain points, mm -hmm. whatever that may be, whether it's time, money, you know, technical know-how, et cetera. That makes sense. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's, uh. Okay. That's awesome, man. Um, side hustles. What are, what are you doing? We talked a little bit before this uh, chat, but I know you were always interested in real estate. You were doing something with some of your buddies from home, right? But I, yeah. I, I don't know what you're doing now. Tell me like, I don't know if that's the, the main side hustle or what, what, what? Yeah. Well, still doing real estate. So I was back in like 2011, 2012, one of my buddies came up to me and, you know, I asked if I'm interested in investing in a couple single family homes and did that and there's a group of uh five of us and now we're up to 20 single family homes wow. in the metro detroit area uh and then my wife and i personally own three other rental properties in the metro detroit area so single easy. family single family yep gotcha and are you and doing long long like uh year year tenants i mean excuse yep. me yeah yep. okay. year, year, year leases year two leases yeah pretty uh, long-term rentals nothing short-term yet but um yeah always interested in different ways to to make that more efficient as well and always loved real estate love homes houses architecture all that kind of stuff well i, I had the privilege to to stay at your uh your spot when you were like just starting all those projects at that house oh, yeah, yeah. um you were putting in i think a pool like a shed or what, what you were doing a ton yeah. of stuff because you had i don't know how long you had you, you hadn't been at that home very long but I mean, this was five, six years ago, man. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think we were just finished the interior of the house. Yeah. I recall. But yeah, you were in one of the guest rooms. And then uh, we just finished last year, uh, just in time. Um, we got the backyard done with the in-ground hot tub. We got a nice fire pit. Fire pit. In-ground trampoline for, the, the, for my daughter. And uh, putting chipping green, so it came out pretty cool. Oh yeah, you're a good golfer. What are you down to now? Are you are you belong to a club? We just joined uh, Birmingham Country Club. Okay. This year. Yeah. Okay. What are what are you shooting these days? Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably upper eighties. Upper eighties. 
nothing nothing fancy enough uh, yet, but I'm hoping with the new membership I can get it more than once every, you know, four weeks. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> impossible. Um, what was I going to say? I, I, small world, I was down in Orlando, and actually, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Anyways, I played at this nice uh, course in Orlando. One of the, and I was playing by myself, I played with two guys, one of which whose best friends is in the used machinery business. We ended up getting him on board. I think you know him, and I'm just drawing a blank, and I can't look it up in this immediate second. I'll send it to you after. Um, I think think it's Alt. He he sells presses. Are you playing Stream Song? Uh, No, it's actually, it was at the Marriott. Um, It's a really nice, I mean, a really nice course. It was like a hundred bucks, but it's well worth it. Um, Oh, sure. Uh, and, uh, but he knew you, so I'll, I'll, I'll send it, I'll send it to you after. Cause he, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a small world, but he, yeah, he's, he, no he, uh, he, he owns with, uh, he sells those big presses and he's in okay. Michigan, so, um, but he's like a three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's, he, probably he, he's probably Terry Blackman. He's, he's best friends with Terry. He's oh, younger. Okay. He's Terry's like ours. Really yeah. Really good yeah. 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 And he sells presses, so yeah. yeah. So they're best. They're very good friends. But the guy that um, God, I keep trying to blank out his name. I'm usually good with names. Uh, he's around our age. He might be a couple okay. years older. Um, okay. But uh, but yeah. Um. Anyways, so real estate and anything else? No, the business, the real estate, and then the test lab has been a you know a new venture. That, yeah, which that's has been, cool. You know, slowly growing organically, which has been really cool. Um, my wife's a real estate agent, so she's, you know, big into the real estate game, mostly selling, you know, large single family homes. And, Because uh, what town are you guys in again? Are you, by, in, are you by Bloom? Bloomfield Hills. You're Bloomfield Hills, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I only know that because my, I think I might have told you this back in the day, my roommates, because I went to IU, they were from there and then Orchard Lake, but they, um, mm-hmm. What's that course that they played? Uh, is it Olympia Field? No. Uh, it has two courses Oakland in North Hills. Oakland, Oakland Hills, Hills where they played yeah. the... Yeah, where the Ryder Cup. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, because I think they went to Country Day or something. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah, right yeah, down yeah, the road. Yeah. Very yeah, famous public school. Uh, private school. Right, right, all the basketball players and all that shit. Yeah, um, yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've arrived to our final destination, which is these... Uh, uh, and again, this is all for first uh, first time. So, five rapid fire questions, but I have some as backup if you don't know the answer quickly. All right. Okay. So we'll start easy, and then we'll end uh, a little more, I guess, philosophical. But um, all right, favorite book and why? But obviously, if you don't read, you can pass. Favorite book and why? Kind of got me thinking differently. Would be you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad, probably. Okay. That's that's the one you know, early on one of the first ones I've ever read that just changed my mindset on money, you know, just money and mm-hmm. time and value and and you know you can you can always make money you can never make time and you know get your money working for you and start thinking you know outside the box think differently. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I didn't mention it, but I, I just I'm closing on a house, my first house uh, for uh, in in Orlando. Um, oh, nice. It's a, it's going to be a big project though. So I'm sure I'll have a bunch of questions, but I'm doing short term. I'm going to do a short term Airbnb, but it's, uh, 
eight bedroom so it's gonna be a project but uh oh sweet yeah, yeah. i'd love to check it out i love let's play some golf coming up with ideas. Yeah, <laughs> play some golf and uh, come up with some cool ideas for the home yeah um all right hardest thing you've ever done hardest thing i've ever done oh geez that is a good one i'm gonna have to probably say engineering school engineering school yeah okay yeah. why the, the, the math was just intense, you know, couple that with, you know, baseball practices and, oh, yeah. and trying to get everything done in time. Yeah. It was a tough, uh, tough time, but, um, well worth it. Well worth it. All right. Um, who's your, I, I, I may have not phrased this correctly, but, um, who's your icon? And I don't want to I purposely didn't say role model because we, we, we can't just, I mean, Maybe it is your dad or grandfather. That's totally fine. But like, I I said icon because it, it, it's okay to be a little superficial. <laughs> Jeez, my icon. Who do I think? I mean, I think guys like uh, you know, in the real estate game. I think guys like you know, Grant Cardone's kind of changing the game out there, and you know, having a business that generates cash and profits and putting it into, you know, more passive income streams, such as multifamily or single family homes. I think those guys are, you know, really smart, kind of back to that rich dad, poor dad philosophy, you know, make your money, invest the money, get it working for you. Mm -hmm. um, I think those guys know how to do it, do it right, and really can change the way people live and grow. Yeah, I, I like him. I, I never I read his book, the Ten X book. I I, yeah. I I think I think he sometimes I'm not sure if he's just the best salesman or one of the best salesmen or he's you know but You know that too. Yeah, yeah I mean saying I'm I'm in sales, you know, engineering, technical sales, so I mean <laughs> a lot of it he, he's crazy, he's out there, but you know it works. You know, right. you need to talk. Just don't be afraid to just tell people how it is. Yep. And that's how I'm working with my young salesmen. It's like, guys, it's okay to tell them, you know, the truth. Right. Just try to help them, you know, be, do what's right for the customer, but, you know, help them. They need help. And if you can just tell them straight up how it is, they'll, they'll appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, question four. Thing, a, a thing in, in society, well, I should say, rephrase this. Um, something in in society that everyone believes is true, but you don't agree is true. I I actually could give you an answer because we're the same way. But uh, I'll, 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 I'll if you want to answer this one, you can. Something that society believes is true, but you wouldn't necessarily agree is true. It's a tough one. We could we could pass. I want to hear what you want. I want to hear your thoughts. Well, the reason why I said that because you and I are similar. Where you know, we, kind of why I brought the story up in the beginning about, and I specifically remembered that about you and uh, with Michigan. It's like people um, believe that where you go to school, or you know, whether you have a master's degree or, or JD or some sort of higher education, it, it defines whether you'll be successful or not. And I I don't agree with that. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. That's, no, that, yeah. That's, I get into that with so many people. And I mean, I have a good degree, a professional degree in engineering, right? right? But where did I learn everything? Engineering school is great and helpful, don't get me wrong, but 
I learn everything on the job. Yeah. It's learning, it's talking, it's figuring out problems. It has nothing to do with what I learned in school. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's, it's 100% work ethic. Yep. The rest is just extra. Just got to be smart enough. That's it. Yeah, smart enough. Exactly. Hard working is everything. All right, last one. Uh, if you shall take the question. Philosophical, so bear with me here. Assuming you had the... And I, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that this was spawned because I, I watched a, a Netflix special last night. Um, uh, but we'll, I'll, I'll give what I was going to say after. Assuming you had the economic resources today, which means basically, you know, any kind of money. What's the one thing you wish to do? Well, if I had all the money and resources in the world, I would... Definitely build the world's best testing facility. And I mean, like the ultimate test compound that any manufacturer, anyone or research university or professors could come to and uh, share ideas and run tests and experiments. I'm thinking, you know, 250,000 square foot facility or bigger with all the the latest and greatest in test equipment technology, uh, where people can kind of come and use it as a center of excellence for testing and create new cool products and materials from. I'd love to do something like that. Well, John, that, I mean, whether it's one person listening or or not, I gotta tell you, that's why you're successful because you love what you're doing, obviously. Yeah. Mine's superficial, but I wanna fucking go to space. I was well, telling that to my wife too. She's like, you're not going anywhere. We got a family. But I think it's one of the coolest. I've always loved space. But after watching that Netflix thing yesterday, I don't know if you've, you've seen this yet. Have you, have you seen what about Inspiration4? No, Long and short, um, you know, SpaceX, Elon Musk, is going to be the first commercial civilian flight. They're going to be three days. Not this, I'm going up and coming down. Three full yeah, days around the earth, right? And the coolest part is the guy who is kind of heading up, he didn't even have a GED. He's a billionaire. It's the, I think he's 38. The guy who started shift four payments. Wow. Um, he put 300 million of his own money, 200 million, because he wanted to do it for a good cause to St. Jude's. And um, then St. Jude randomly selected one civilian out of the four. Uh, the other 100 million, I forget what's for, for what. And then they randomly selected two other candidates. It, I mean, it's just, it's just cool because everything That's that Elon cool. does. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. So it's a pipe dream. If we, if we I'm yeah, sure in our a, lifetime, if, a, if you got enough dough, you'll fun. be able to go. I can tell you, all that stuff is coming down the pipeline real quick. <sighs> our biggest growth in the last couple of years has been purely aerospace, and by aerospace, I'm talking spaceship companies. <laughs> We've literally sold. A machine to a hundred different space companies in the last couple of years. That's insane. Small ones that are launching small items into to satellites. To and we sold equipment to SpaceX, Virgin Galactic, um, Near Space Technologies, Firefly Aerospace. What was that? Geez, d- d- there, there's this new. Uh, I mean, I got to tell you, if Chicago, which is a small VC and private equity community, they just raised. Again, this is small for space. I think just over a hundred million dollar fund for early, early stage space. 
these things are popping up everywhere. Um, you know, I mean, insane. Um, it's literally everywhere. And all the new materials that they need to accomplish this is you know, right up our alley. All awesome. Money for you. But also, uh, you know, could be... I'm going to also get you into, I, I do some angel investing, uh, into some tech startups. I'm going to start, uh, I'll, I'll, if I, if I see one, I'm going to send you out, but you as well. Cause you got all the awesome. inside track, man, with all <laughs> what people are, are working. I don't care if it's, they're building, you know, the best new cardboard box. Like yeah, if we can put, make some money, yeah. let's, oh, yeah. you know, let's, yeah, let's, it's let's really go. cool. It's a really exciting time to, you know, be in the, the, manufacturing and technology space because there's just innovation like crazy everywhere well dude um appreciate uh yeah catching up today and um you know we'll uh hopefully next time we see each other we'll be on the links but i'll, I'll definitely gonna reach out about the uh, uh the home in uh, orlando so cl- i think close the next week and then start you know new roof new ac rip out the you know all everything <laughs> so i'm sure i'll have some i'm sure i'll have some questions um but uh appreciate the, the time man oh it's so good talking to you and and can't wait to see you face to face and hopefully not too long all right bud i'll see you all right see you steve